Hello, and welcome to the River Audio Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We believe God has something unique to say to you, and our hope is that you feel His love stronger today than ever before. Enjoy the message. Good morning, everyone. Um, So... um, on February 24th, which which was just a couple days ago, um, I was um, I was woken up by the Spirit of God, and He just started speaking to me. And at first, you know, you listen, um, but then He's like, "No, you need to get up and write it down." Um, and so I've learned from Him um, in times past. I keep a notebook or, or notepad right by my bed, so and a pen just in case he does decide to, you know, give me a word, give me a message, um, I can write it down. um, Because if any of you all know, he kind of talks quickly, so you got to catch him. Um, So this happened at uh, 4.22 a.m. He said, I'm the main attraction. I'm the opening act. I'm the last event. I shut things down. (laughs) He said, I am everything you need and more. I want to move you outside of your comfort zone and move move you into a life of freedom, a life without borders. And at first I was like, okay. Um, He's like, that's what you need to remember about me. Um, I am freedom. And I don't know how many of you all have struggled with living in bondage and um, not just bondage from sin, but bondage from everyday life, just the, the mundane, the distractions, the constant weight and pressure being pulled every uh, direction and feeling like you haven't accomplished anything. Um, I know I felt that way in my life, um, and I'm sure many of you have also felt that way in your life, um, but the Holy Spirit wanted me to tell you all that God is freedom, that he is a life without borders or constraints. And he wants you to know that he's doing a new thing. He says, a life of freedom is a life where I lead and you follow. He also said, do not look at the former things. Um, and he gave me a scripture, Isaiah 43, verse 18 through 20. Um, I'm going to be reading out the New International Version, but um, this is the um, other version that's very similar to it. Um, Verse 18 says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. And he stopped him right there, because how many times do people dwell on the past? We look at our past mistakes, we look at our past successes, and we say, it can't get any better than that. Or those were my glory days, and, you know, I'm too old to do this now, or I'm too, too much time has passed, there's too much that has changed. But it says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, meaning don't live there, don't think on, think about the past, but think about God's goodness in the past, but realize that he's still doing something good now in the present, that it's not just 
something where you look in the past and you say, oh, God can't do that. Verse 19, see, I'm doing a new thing. He wants you to know that he's doing something new inside of each and every one of you. He has a new assignment. He is the creator. And the creator brings something new out of something that's barren. And we need to remember that as children of God, that it's not just about, oh, looking at the past, but it's looking at looking towards the future because he is our hope and he is our future. Um, verse 19 again, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? See, it's not the idea God's not doing something new. It's that we have to perceive it. See, a lot of times in life, God is doing something, but we're so focused on the past. We can't see what he's doing right now, what he's leading us up to, what he's building us into. So we have to know that we need to perceive it. That's the question. Do you perceive it? Do you perceive the hands and heart of God that is moving in each and every one of your lives? Do you perceive it? Do you realize it? Do you ponder on it? Do you recognize the hand of God moving? It says, I am making a way in the wilderness, meaning even in your desert places, the wilderness is where it's barren. There's nothing new that happens in the wilderness. It's just tumbleweeds. It's dry. It's thirsty. But it says, look, I'm making a way in the wilderness. Jesus is the way. He's making a way in those most barren places and streams in the wasteland when there's no water to be had where it's dry and thirsty. God is bringing new life. He is bringing water. And we know wherever water is, there is life that follows. And it just says in verse 20, the wild animals honor me. See, all other creations honor God. It's us as human beings. We have to realize that we need to honor God. We need to recognize him. He's doing something new and we have to perceive it. Everything else in creation, nature, uh, animals, the fish, the trees, everything else bows at the presence of God and honors him. The jackals and the owls, they honor him. And because I provide water in the wilderness, meaning that guess what? No matter what your situation looks like, what your experience, experience has taught you, one thing I know about God is he provides water in the wilderness. He is the source. He doesn't, he's not a resource. He is the source, the source of life and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen. You all need to realize that you are God's people. You are not just a people. You are God's people. You are his chosen. You are his anointed, and he is pouring out something new inside of you. God says, I'm doing something new, not just situational, which is on the outside, but experiential on the inside. He's doing something new, not only from what we can see on the physical, but he's doing something in the spiritual within us, on people's hearts and minds, within each and every one of you. I want to, he also said, I want to work through you, in you, around you, and for you, so I can get the glory. So this purpose in life, your purpose for living and breathing, I know there's a lot of people who say, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. It's to give God glory. That's why you were created to worship him. You were created to show and point others to God and to show God. Glory of God is God's invisible attributes being made visible through you. That is what God is doing. He wants to do something new. I'm doing something new in you beyond your hopes and dreams. And this is what stuck out to me when he said it. He said, beyond your hopes and dreams, not his, yours, 
because we're the ones that place limitations on them. I'm doing something new in you beyond your hopes and dreams. I'm giving you my hope and my dreams. That's what he's given us. He is giving us his hope, which is in his son, Jesus Christ. But his dream, his desire, his will, his way, he is giving that to us. That is our gift that we are receiving from the everlasting father. Then he gave me a, a verse to a song, um, Tasha Cobb's song, I'm Getting Ready. She sings a verse and she says, I'm getting ready to see something I've never seen. Victory is here. Who is our victory? Jesus is our victory. He kicked defeat out the door. God's doing a new thing, a brand new thing. I'm getting ready for overflow. So River Worship family, God wanted me to ask you, are you ready for the overflow? Are you ready for what he's doing? Are you ready for the move of God? Are you ready for standing in your purpose, going in his way, honoring him, glorifying him? God is not limited by your limitations of time, of space, of distance, of decay. God is limitless. Life without borders, that is what God wants for his people, to be unafraid and to unapologetically serve him. Heidi was right, you do hear God. Wow, give the Lord a hand clap. Do I get to keep this? I need to read this over and over and over again. I'm the main attraction, the opening act, the last minute I shut things down. Whew. Come on, somebody. Well, Sydney, I had no idea what she was going to bring. I had no idea. And she did not know what I was going to bring. But I am preaching about making your way through the wilderness and your purpose. So... You just can't make this stuff up. Hallelujah. And I was not at the ladies' event, so I don't know. Hallelujah. Are you ready for another word? Amen. If you got your Bibles, go with me to Matthew chapter 3. Sometimes I tell you it's not a long word, but it's a strong word. This is a long word and a strong word, so I hope you're ready. I'll work through it as quickly as I can, but God wants us to hear this this morning. Sometimes you, sometimes you, you preach a good Bible message, and, uh, and it's a good word for all the time. Sometimes you feel like the Lord's leading you away, and other times you think, I have heard from God, and today I have heard from God, and uh, the Lord wants to give you this right now. Matthew 3, 13 through 17, and then we're going to jump right into the next chapter, Matthew 4, 1 and 2. Then cometh Jesus from Galilee to Jordan unto John to be baptized of him. But John forbade him, saying, I have need to be baptized of thee, and comest thou to me? And Jesus answering said unto him, Suffer it to be so now, permit it, for thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And then he suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, he went straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him. 
And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness. Somebody say wilderness. To be tempted of the devil. That doesn't sound nice, does it? That the Holy Spirit would lead him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward and hungered. I guess so. Pray with me. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that you are making it so obvious and plain that you're speaking to us. And help me, help me to yield to you. Fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit and speak through me. Help me to share the heart of the Father with the heart of your people. And help us that our ears and our hearts and our minds and our eyes would be open to see you, to hear you, to receive you, to receive it with faith that it would profit us something. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Here we have Jesus. And at this point in his life, he's about 30 years old. And he's not yet in the ministry. He was in preparation for 30 years to be in ministry for three years before he died on the cross. So here he's about 30 years old, and he is baptized. And remember, when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus was not operating as God on the earth. Jesus came to the earth as a human being. A human being had to be the sin sacrifice. And so Jesus laid aside the attributes of deity, retained the nature of deity, but lived absolutely as a human being so that he could be the God-man, one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus. So Jesus, in order to perform miracles, Jesus, in order to do what he did, he had to have the power of the Holy Spirit because he was operating like a human. If Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more do you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit to get anything done? And so Jesus is baptized in the River Jordan by John. And when Jesus comes up out of the water, here is Jesus, the Son of God, standing in the River Jordan. All of a sudden, the heavens open, and the, the Holy Spirit comes down in the form of a dove, looked like a dove, and lands on Jesus. And all of a sudden, he lit up. The power of the Holy Spirit had come upon him. And then the voice of the Father rings out from the heavens. Immediately, immediately after he receives this power, immediately when he is endued with strength from on high for his ministry, the first thing that happens is that the Holy Spirit takes him into the wilderness where he's going to be by himself. Well, the devil would be there. He's there in the wilderness, and the devil tempts him for 40 days. Have you ever been in a wilderness? Have you ever been by yourself, and it seemed like nobody showed up but the devil? 
Have you ever been in a room full of people, but you felt like you were by yourself and you were attacked by your own thoughts and the chaos and the confusion of what's going on and feeling down and nobody even knew it and it was just you and this thing that's attacking you? That's what happened to Jesus. People seem to think that when they have a tremendous encounter with God, that it is the beginning of perpetual happiness and easy living, we tend to think. We tend to think that when we have a great experience with God, we tend to think when we get an amazing touch from God, when we get full of the Holy Spirit, we think, ah, freedom and ease have come. Things will be just lovely now. But when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus, the very first thing that happened is that he was driven into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. Are you hearing me already this morning? 1 Peter 4 and 12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. You shouldn't think it's strange that you're being attacked. You should not think it's strange that you have trouble. You should not think it's strange that you're being oppressed, that you're being afflicted, that there is resistance, that something is after you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. If he suffered, we are going to suffer. Jesus said they hated him, they're going to hate you. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye. That would say, blessed and to be envied, that word happy. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. On their part, he is evil spoken of, but on your part, he's glorified. The Bible says, if you are living for Jesus and stuff happens against you, temptation comes to draw your eyes away. Temptation comes to draw your ear away. Temptation comes to draw your body away. The Bible says if you are serving Jesus and temptation comes, it's evidence that the glory of God is resting on you. It is evidence that the Spirit of God is with you. It is evidence that you belong to Him. It is evidence that you've got the Word inside. It is evidence that you have a call. It is evidence that you have a purpose. It is evidence if something tries to stop you, it's because it saw you going somewhere. So rejoice when temptation comes. When we get a touch from God, we think trouble is over. 
But many times, the reason for the touch is because we're going to need it for what's ahead. Come on and help me, somebody. What we think is the final breakthrough away from trouble is sometimes the preparation for a trial that's coming. Do you hear me this morning? But do not be discouraged and do not be dismayed. Can I also tell you that after the 40 days of Jesus' temptation is when he was launched into his purpose for being on the earth in the first place. The presence of the Holy Spirit was not for the prevention of trouble. It was preparation for the trouble. And it was power for his purpose. Let me tell you the pattern. Let me tell you the cycle. You probably want to write it down because this is how it works. Throughout your life, you'll see it over and over and over again as a Christian living for the Lord. First, you get blessed with his presence. Next, you encounter trouble. Then you are launched into purpose. Blessing, trouble, purpose. We always get excited at the blessing, frustrated at the trouble, and miss the purpose. Come on, somebody. If we could ever realize that our trouble is even closer to our purpose than the blessing was, we'd start thanking God for our trouble more than we thanked him for the touch. Somebody say, we're almost there. We're almost there. Come on, we're almost there. James 1 and 2, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall. If you're in a season of temptation, if stuff that you thought was gone is sneaking up on you again, if stuff's trying to pull your ear away, if stuff's trying to, am I talking to anybody? If stuff's trying to grab your attention, if stuff's trying to take your eye, if stuff's trying to pull your heart, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Listen, don't get discouraged by the temptation and stop where you are. Don't get tricked and stay in the place of your trouble. I'm only passing through. You've got to keep on moving. I wanted to title this message, Don't Stop Now, but the people in the booth told me I title every message, Don't Stop Now. I didn't want to do Don't Stop Now, part 156. And so I'm just going to say, keep on moving, and I'm only passing through. Hallelujah. Anytime that you encounter, hear me now, any time that you encounter a great temptation, you think you have drifted further away from God when in fact the temptation is probably an indication that you are closer to your purpose than you have ever been. When the devil shows up, when people don't feel the presence of God like they have at times in their life, when they are troubled and vexed and confused, 
when their mind starts thinking about stuff that they thought they were past. Are you hearing me this morning? They say, my God, I I must be a failure. I must not be a a Christian. I must not have it together like I thought. My victory must not have been real. The touch must not have been real. My encounter with God must not have been real. If this is what's going on inside, if this is what I'm thinking and feeling and wanting and desiring, if this is where my eyes are going, this is where my ears are going, if this is where my mind is going, then I must not be as close to God as I thought. And the devil is accomplishing his deception. The reason he's after you is because you're closer to God than you've ever been. He saw you moving toward your purpose he saw you moving toward your call he saw you moving toward the will of God he said I've got to do something about this the temptation is a reason to be filled with joy the temptation is a reason to rejoice and praise God because you're getting too close to what God has for you to do the enemy doesn't have to stop people that are going in the wrong direction He tries to stop people that have become a threat. The people he tries to stop are the people that have become a threat. When the devil sees God's presence and his power show up in your life, now you have his attention. And he's pulling out all the stops to keep you from getting any further because you're just too close. Tell your neighbor you're just too close. He knows that you're getting closer to your purpose, and that's when he turns up the heat. And that's when you're going to need your brothers and sisters. Listen, when we get to moving in that kind of a direction, we want to pull away from the church. This is when you need to run to church. This is when you need to run to the word. This is when you need to turn up the praise and worship. This is when you need to find somebody to talk to. This is when you need to spend time in the prayer closet. This is when you you need to turn on some preaching through the week. This is when you need to run to God and run to the people of God like never before because the devil is trying to isolate you. The devil is trying to get you off by yourself. The devil's trying to make you think nobody's ever been through what you've been through. The devil's trying to make you think you're a bigger failure than anybody else that nobody can understand. The devil's trying to make you think that people will look down on you, that the church won't understand, that nobody's been through this before. He's trying to isolate you because you're just too close. So he's attacking you in a wilderness season in your life. Listen, when Pharaoh saw the children of Israel about to be Set free, he doubled their workload. He didn't say, oh, you guys are leaving? Well, go ahead, take the day off and head on over. No, when he saw that he was getting ready to lose those that had been his greatest servants, he turned up the heat. The devil wants to render you ineffective. The devil does not want you going further with the Lord 1 Peter 5 and 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, he's walking about, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking. Is anybody in a season of temptation? Does anybody have trials knocking at your door? 
Is tribulation all around you? Do you feel like you're wandering in the wilderness and you're all by yourself? I've come to tell you today. I've come to serve notice on the devil and let you know you're in the right place and you're right on time. You've had an encounter with God and scared the devil. You're closer to your purpose than you've ever been. Somebody give God a praise. Don't stop now. We are only passing through this wilderness. And let me tell you, quit beating yourself up just because you're being tempted. Quit beating yourself up over being tempted. Being tempted is not a sin. Being tempted is not a sin. Temptation is just trying to get you to sin. So that your vision gets messed up and you miss your purpose. Hebrews 4.15. We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. He said to run into the throne room of grace boldly to obtain grace and mercy in your hour of need. You don't have to be ashamed to tell God what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your life. He already knows. And this says we have a high priest, one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus was tempted. If you're being tempted, you're in good company. Come on. You're being tempted like the apostles were. You're being tempted like Paul was. You're being tempted like Jesus was. Don't stop. Keep moving. The children of Israel had encountered God in Egypt. They had experienced his presence. They had experienced his power. They had rejoiced when they crossed over the sea. They rejoiced and danced and sang and celebrated. But the very thing that came after their experience with God... Wilderness, trials, tribulations, and temptations before the promise and the purpose. It's always the same. It is always an empowering encounter with God, takes you into the wilderness, the hardest part of your life, right before you are launched in your purpose. Are you starting to see maybe where you're at right now? And maybe you don't have a reason to be sad. Maybe you have a reason to be happy and say, oh my God, I didn't realize how much progress I'd made. This wilderness is so dark. This temptation is so bad. I must be doing great. I must be closer to Jesus than I've ever been. You probably are. Because that's what happened. The Israelites felt like they were the furthest from the blessing they had ever been. And they were actually right beside their purpose, right outside of the promised land. Instead of realizing that the most difficult time was an indicator that they were closer to their promise, they forgot about their God encounter. They forgot about the victories they had had before, and they stopped in the wilderness. If you are in a wilderness right now, Don't set up camp. Don't live there. And don't forget what God has done for you. Keep moving. Everything is still right on schedule. 
We have to know that even in our promise, there will still be problems. There will still be hurdles even in our purpose. Don't look at the giants that are ahead and decide to settle where you are. Hear me today. It is worth the war. The faith is worth the fight. The blessing is worth the battle. The treasure is worth the trouble. Keep going. Keep moving. Deuteronomy 1 and 29. Moses. Then I said to you, do not be in dread or afraid of them. Talking about the giants and the enemies in the land. The Lord your God who goes before you will himself fight for you just as he did. Somebody say, just as he did. Just as he did for you in Egypt before your eyes. And just as he did in the wilderness where you have seen how the Lord your God carried you as a man carries his son. All the way that you went until you came to this place. Yet, in spite of this word, you did not believe the Lord your God who went before you in the way to seek you out a place to pitch your tents in fire by night and in the cloud by day to show you by what way you should go. He said, you forgot. You forgot the cloud and the fire. You forgot the manna and the water. You forgot the blessing. You forgot the protection. You forgot the victories. You forgot how he brought you out. You forgot about how he blew back the Red Sea. You forgot how he drowned Pharaoh in the midst of it. You forgot, and instead you decided to think that God couldn't do it again. So you're just wandering around here in the wilderness. So many people set up camp and live forever in the wilderness when their promise is just across the river. They start thinking, I don't know if God can beat this one. This one's too big. This one's too scary. This one's too strong. This one's got too much of a hold on me. I can't deal with this one. God can't beat this one. You see, we start thinking that if we have a problem now, that somehow our last victory wasn't real. Who gave you the idea you'd ever get to a place there where there won't be giants anymore to fight? Who told you that after that victory, you're not supposed to struggle again? You see, the point is not getting to a place where you never have a problem again. The point is getting to a place that every time you have a problem, you say, God beat all of them before, and he'll beat this one too. God has been faithful when I wasn't faithful. God protected me, and he'll still protect me. Deuteronomy 7, 17. If you say in your heart, these nations are greater than I, how can I dispossess them? You shall not be afraid of them, but you shall remember. Somebody say remember. You shall re That was weak. Somebody say remember. <laughs> you shall remember what the Lord your God did to Pharaoh and to all Egypt. You shall remember the great trials that your eyes saw, the signs, the wonders, the mighty hand and the outstretched arm by which the Lord your God brought you out. So will the Lord your God do to all of the people of whom you are afraid. Somebody shout, do it again. You may not know how. You may not know when. But he'll do it again. Every time the enemy tempted Jesus, 
Jesus just turned it around and told him, the word says, come on, the word says. He just looked at who the father is. He just looked at what the father has said. He just looked at what the father had always done. Now, the scripture points out three specific temptations. The first one, the enemy tempted Jesus to turn the stones into bread, which would have been sounding pretty good when you were as hungry as he was. Hadn't eaten in 40 days. So the first temptation was in the physical arena. It had to do with the physical body. He was hungry and he needed something to eat. So he tempted Jesus physically. You ought to write this down, the three temptations, the three types. He tempted Jesus physically. The next temptation, he said, cast yourself down and the angels will catch you. This had no, nothing to do with a physical need. This was showing off. Hey, why don't you cast, you're, you're the son of God. Cast yourself down so the angels will swoop down and fly around and carry you around. Well, if I was Jesus, I would have. I'd have said, fine, Joker, look at me, riding on angels' wings. Not Jesus. Jesus did not get, that would have been prideful. It was a soulish temptation, the mind, the will, and the emotions. Isn't it funny that one temptation was physical and one was soulish? Look at the next one. If you'll worship me, I'll give you the world. What's this one? Somebody? Spirit. There are three of the temptations that are listed. One is physical, one is soul, and one is spirit. Isn't that amazing? But Jesus said to the bread, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He quoted the word. What did he say about the pride? It is written. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. What did he say about the worship? It is written. Get the hint, Satan. It is written. Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. The word, the word, the word, the word, the word. He never fought him in human strength. He never fought him in the flesh. He never tried to make a point. He never tried to show off in works. But in faith, he did nothing. He rested. He said, I don't have to show you this. The word already says. I don't have to prove who I am. The word already says. I don't have to rise up and resist you with my strength. The word already says. Can I tell you, no matter how the devil tempts you, if it's physical soul or if it's spirit, you can say the word, the word, the word, the word. When he tells you you don't belong to Jesus because of what you, you've done, you say, I didn't belong to Jesus because of myself anyway. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm not saved because of my work. I'm saved because of the finished work. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so I'm saved because Jesus died on the cross. I'm saved because I'm washed in the blood. I'm saved because I'm born again. I'm saved because I placed faith in the one that left heaven and came to earth for me. Somebody give God praise. We've been saved by the blood. Jesus didn't say I'll show off. He said I am who I am. The word, the word, the word. Never self, never proving anything by works, believing God and saying what the word says, no matter what the devil says. You know what it did? Matthew 4, 11, then the devil leaveth him. Come on. Then the devil leaveth him. Jesus didn't do anything. But quote the word. Believe the word. 
And when Jesus wouldn't play his game, he had to leave. Do you know you failing and messing up is not you playing his game? He doesn't care. The devil doesn't care if you sin or not. He wants to change your testimony. He wants you to believe that your standing is based on works instead of based on Jesus. The issue is not that I don't fail. The issue is that when I fail, I still say, Jesus, 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 Jesus. And the devil says, I can't work with this. And then he gives up. Because the issue wasn't your actions. His only issue with your actions was to get you to change what you believed about what makes you saved. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. The devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. After Jesus' empowerment, he went straight to the wilderness. But can I tell you that when he came out of that wilderness, he came out healing the sick. When he came out of the wilderness, he came out opening deaf ears and blind eyes and raising the dead and multiplying fish and loaves and walking on water and saying, peace, be still. I'm so glad he didn't stop in the wilderness and set up camp. You might go through a time when you don't feel the power of God that once came on you, but that doesn't mean it's gone. We operate by faith and not by sight. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You just keep doing the last thing that you knew to do. You just keep doing the last thing that you knew to do. If you don't hear God speaking, keep doing the last thing he said. And when you can't see what's up ahead, just look back at everything he's already done. God is faithful. He's not a man that he should lie. He's a very present help in time of trouble. He's not just a savior. He's a keeper. He doesn't just save you. He'll keep you. You don't have to feel him for him to be there. He's there. He's there. You see, babies trust their feelings, but grown folks trust his record. Babies trust their feelings. Grown folks trust his record. You thought he was gone, but really you're just growing up. Really you're just getting close to your ministry. Learning to lean. Learning to lean. Learning to lean on Jesus. When we can't see his hand, we must trust his heart. So many times when we can't see God, that's when he's working in secret. You hear me? So many times when you can't see him, that's when he's working behind the curtain. That's when he's working undercover. The times when we think he's working the most is usually just when we're hanging out with him. The times we think nothing is happening is when the Holy Spirit is preparing stuff that we're not ready to see. We want all of our enemies to disappear right now, right? But it doesn't work that way. Deuteronomy 7.22, the Lord your God will clear away these nations before you little by little, you may not make an end of them at once, lest the wild beasts grow too numerous for you. When the children of Israel were possessing the promised land, they were scared of the enemies that were there. They wanted God to make all their enemies disappear. 
God said, I won't do it. God says, I'm not going to take your enemies out of that part of the land because you're not living there yet anyway. And if I remove them before you get there, the wild beasts are going to take over that area of the land. God says, I'm going to leave your enemies alive to take care of your land for you. Come on, somebody. God says, I am leaving your enemies there to take care of your land for you until I'm ready for you to go in. Your enemies are tilling the ground. Your enemies are keeping the beast from destroying it. Your enemies are fertilizing your crops. The, en the enemies are doing everything. I'm not going to get rid of your enemies. They're doing too much stuff for you. When it's time to move in, then we'll deal with the enemies. But I only do it little by little, and you're going to have to trust me. You're going to have to trust me. Could it be that the very enemy you've been complaining about is the one that's getting your inheritance ready for you? <laughs> Don't be afraid of the adversary. Thank God for the adversary. Don't get frustrated by the fight. Praise God for the fight. Don't grow weary in the wilderness. He's preparing the promise of your purpose. Don't settle out in the sticks. Your ministry is on the other side of this season. Man, when I heard everything Sidney said, this just, just leapt inside of me. 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, we're under attack, it's afflicting us, it's coming against us, it hurts, it's not fun, but we don't lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Listen, your worst day is usually your best day. When everybody's carrying you around on their shoulders, parading you, and you think it's your best day, it's terrible for you. It's just causing your head to swell. It's just causing you to not be able to see clearly what's around you because now you're distracted by how great you are. But when something comes and pulls the props out from under you, when something comes and takes everything you've got, when you're left with nothing but you and the Lord and you see who you really are and who he really is, your worst day is your best day. Anything that takes you to your knees is good for you. Anything that drives you to your knees is good for you. Day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us. Your affliction is working for you. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen... We look at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen, they're temporary. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Tell your neighbor, I'm only passing through. Galatians 6 and 9. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, somebody shout proper time. At the proper time, we will reap a harvest.
if we do not give up. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. He may not come when you want him, but he'll be there right on time. He's an on-time God. Yes, he is. Singers, musicians, would you come? Except Nick. I need you down front. (laughs) This altar call is going to be a little bit different today. And I want everybody to please, please listen very closely to the why. Now, we are going to have an opportunity for those that don't know the Lord. If you have not been born again and you want to be born again, we are still going to have an opportunity for you to do that. I'm going to be right down front in the middle in just a moment. Anybody that wants to receive Jesus as Savior, I will be there to pray with you as you place faith in what he did at the cross for you. But today, I am talking to Christians Today, I am talking to born-again people that are struggling with temptation. Today, I am talking to born-again people that are going through a season of wilderness. Today, I am talking to the Christian that is going through a trial and trouble or oppression or persecution or affliction. Maybe somebody that's struggling with doubt, anxiety, depression, and fear. This is what the Bible says. In the book of James, it says, confess your faults. And really, it's the same word there as sin. Now, we know we don't confess to a man to be forgiven, right? We confess to the Lord. However, today I'm not talking about getting forgiveness I'm talking about getting deliverance. James said, if we will confess those sins, those weaknesses, those faults, confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And the scripture says, and you will be restored to a spiritual tone of mind. Thanks again for listening to the River Audio Podcast. We hope that these weekly sermons are an encouragement to your life. Make sure to stay connected with us throughout the week online at theriverworshipcenter.org and on Facebook and Instagram at The River.